If you have a brain, you have bias. So let's just own it. Some biases help us by simplifying our decision-making process. Other biases hold us back by impacting who gets hired and promoted, and even who we approach to be our friends. Welcome to Breaking the Bias, a podcast where we interview impact makers who are breaking the bias when it comes to inclusion and equity. Because sharing our stories is how real belonging happens. I know it makes people feel uncomfortable because we want to believe that motherhood is a choice. And I think in some ways, sometimes it is. But most of us say, we didn't choose this. We didn't choose to stay home with our kids. We didn't choose for daycares to be shut down. We didn't choose to lose our jobs. I'm Holly Corbett, Director of Content for Consciously Unbiased. Today, we're speaking with Reshma Sujani, CEO and founder of Girls Who Code and author of Brave Not Perfect. We know that women have left the workforce at a rate four times higher than men during the pandemic, with Black women and women of color leaving at higher rates. Reshma proposed the solution that we should treat mothers as essential workers and pay them for their labor in an open letter in the New York Times, calling on the Biden administration to build a task force dedicated to creating a Marshall Plan for Moms. The letter was signed by 50 women, including Tarana Burke, Eva Longoria, Amy Schumer, and Whitney Wolf Heard. Here is more on Reshma's action plan to help keep us from going backwards on gender equality. Okay, so let's start with what we know. We know that women are leaving the workforce at a rate of four times higher than men during the pandemic. We know that women continue to shoulder the majority of the caregiving responsibilities. Then there's the pay gap the lack of social support, the lack of public policy and the motherhood penalty. So I, there's a lot of issues happening here, but I just wanted to start out by asking you, what impact will women being forced out of the workplace have on our economy? Yeah, I think it's a national crisis that's affecting women and affecting our country. Before COVID happened, you know, we were almost the, we were the majority of the labor force, right? And now our labor participation is at what it was in the 1980s. And that means that we miss out on innovation. We miss out on having diversity sitting at the table. We miss out on creativity. Um, and we miss out on women achieving, you know, their dreams and the opportunities that they are, are searching for. Mm-hmm. You know, this issue was really important to me, you know, not just as a mother um, who's experiencing this, right? I have a five-year-old that's, you know, in public school. Uh, and so I am battling his Zoom school with my caregiving, with my one-year-old son, with like doing laundry in between meetings and running, you know, one of the largest women and girls organizations in the world. I see this with my team members, you know, who are mothers who are facing the exact same dilemmas. But the other thing is, is that, you know, our girls are watching us. And, you know, the, you know, Davos had a report that you're seeing more girls engage in housework you know, and working in the home because they're seeing their mothers do this unpaid labor. And it's having a huge effect, you know, on many of the issues that so many of us have been fighting for for so long. Yeah. And so do you think that mothers should be considered a part of our essential infrastructure, just like any other essential worker? Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about, so, you know, first of all, why are women leaving? And it's for two reasons. You know, first, we're in a childcare crisis. And in most households, moms still do most of the childcare. And so many of us, when the schools closed, we became teacher, nanny, tech support, cook, everything. And we started supplementing our paid labor for unpaid labor. So, you know, women didn't take on those extra hours, didn't raise their hand for those promotions, food doing with their parents, right? Added a night shift, did all of this out schooling their kids during the day. 
And you know, the second reason why women uh, are leaving the workforce is because the types of industries that have been hit by the recession have been in industries that have a disproportionate amount of women, right? Like service, hospitality, education, and healthcare. And so many of those jobs aren't going to come back. And so we have to uh, invest in retraining. And so, you know, we, again, we have to look at the consequences on so many of our decisions and COVID on, on the effect that it's had on working women, because we are the ones who have been, who have bared the brunt of the pandemic. So how did you come up with the idea for this Marshall Plan for Moms? Like, how did it come to you? Well, I, um, like I said, I've been living this since March, right? Um, since COVID happened, you know, I, my son's in, in kindergarten or started kindergarten. So I was already doing his, you know, Zoom school while I was negotiating, you know, be, supposedly being on maternity leave. And again, being a CEO of, you know, a very large organization. And so the pain, the trauma, the exhaustion that I was feeling I was seeing it on my Zoom screen with the women that worked for me and the women that I was working with, you know, on building this movement. And for me, I think the, the, the breaking point for me was when schools closed again in New York City. And they didn't even ask us. You know, when, when most pu public school districts decided to get, you know, decided to do, quote, hybrid learning, they didn't ask us, well, are you going to take this on? They just assumed that we would do it. And you realize how little they value our labor, like exactly zero. Like we didn't even, we weren't even consulted with. And when I looked at what was also happening kind of in the economy and the numbers of women that were leaving, you know, in December, all the jobs lost by women, you know, I wrote on the Hill about the need for a Marshall Plan for moms. And I am really excited about this administration. I'm really excited about Joe Biden. I think he is exactly the kind of leader who understands this issue. And so I think that we had an opportunity to really you know, push our leaders um, to come up with a plan, a 360 plan to get women back to work. And for me, that includes basic income, that includes affordable daycare, that includes um, paid leave that includes making sure the schools are open five days a week safely that includes retraining for women who are lost jobs that are in industries that have been automated and that means if we put a 360 plan together if we put a marshall plan for moms together we can make sure that we don't it doesn't take us decades to gain back what we have lost over the past year yeah, because right now it appears we're definitely going backwards on gender equality and I can just say you know I, I'm a working parent with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and between the homeschooling and the trying to keep up with the additional household duties and working, I just, we've been reading about this in the news, right? We've been reading about this almost mass exodus of women from the workforce. And I, there, I hadn't seen a lot of solutions up until now, up until, um, you know, you coming up with the Marshall Plan for Moms and advocating for this uh, public policy change on a huge level. So, thank you on behalf of thank all you. of us. Thank you. Well, no, it. it's so true, Holly. That's the thing, right? We just are so tired. And I, th I don't know about you, but I felt like in the first couple of months, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I was like, all right, let me grin and bear it. It's almost over. And I don't know. Lately, I'm like, I'm at my breaking point because you realize that, like. I don't know when this is over and I have no control. All these people are making decisions that affect my life, my livelihood, my mental health, right? My children's mental health. And they're not even thinking of me. 
you know, it's, it's feels really um, scary. Well, and I, that's why I think the reception to this has been so enormous. I've, I've the past few days have just been in, in, insane because I think women are like, one, you see me, two, you have a plan, three, I'm awakened and I am pissed too, right? Like, what, what should we do? What should we do? And I, I, it, we have to do something. This isn't sustainable. Like, no, I it's mean, not. It's, it's going on a year. There's no end in sight. This is not sustainable. And to your point, I think so many of us felt this. We're all in our bubbles feeling exhausted and feeling the load and not knowing when it's going to end. And the uncertainty further impacts us because we, we don't have any answers. But I think it speaks to the fact that there wasn't any initiatives for working parents and specifically working moms. And so they were being forced out of the workforce. And I think that comes down to a lack of, of representation, right? Like there, mm -hmm. if, the, if there were more female leaders making these public policy calls, then this would have been a non-secular, like it would have been a, obvious, but it took you to kind of come up with this plan to push these policies forward for there to be any kind of action because we're seeing in the news this is happening, but there was no action associated with it. So, I mean, in, in terms of the Marshall Plan for Moms, so there's three parts. There's the ta task force, the mm -hmm. implementation of a monthly payment for what's traditionally been unpaid labor mm -hmm. and passing of new policies. So let's talk about the payment. Like why, you know, for people who argue that motherhood is a choice, mm. why do you think moms should be paid for their labor? Well, it's not a choice right now. I didn't choose this. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, what if we just said, you know what, either you open up the schools or you close them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no in between mm -hmm. and we didn't even get asked. So I think the importance of putting a value on it is again, when they're thinking about closing the schools, I'm just using that as an example, because to me, it's the most glaring example. And they're thinking about how do we do that safely? How many tests do we implement? What do we do for teachers? What's my HVAC equipment? They also need to say, what is the cost of asking mothers who are bearing the brunt of remote schooling, what is the cost of that on the economy, of them leaving the workforce, of their mental health, right? All of those things, what's the cost of that? That should be factored in. And that's why I think it's really important to come up with a, a, you know, a value and assigning a value to the unpaid unseen labor of our mothers because far too long that labor has been taken for granted. Um, and so I think it's really, really important. And I, and I know it makes people feel uncomfortable because we want to believe that motherhood is a choice. And I think in some ways, sometimes it is, but most of us would say, we didn't choose this. We didn't choose to stay home with our kids. We didn't choose for daycares to be shut down. We didn't choose to lose our jobs, right? We didn't choose this. I mean, do you think paying moms might help kind of shift this, the perceptions in society and help society better value that so much of our society is driven by the unpaid labor of women. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, we, I think we have to demand it. I mean, it's like you said, if you look at the legislators and leaders making policy decisions, they're largely men, you know, and they don't even think about these things because of the same things happening in their household. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's clear that valuing mother's labor isn't a priority for our leaders. Mm -hmm. And there's a strong cultural norm that caregiving and household work is a woman's work. Right, and we don't have a great track record in this country of valuing work that's done by women. Other other countries, Scandinavian countries, actually do. You know what I mean? Uh, put a value on it, you know, and they have 
programs, whether it's a tax for, you know, a tax credit for childcare, for when you have a child. I mean, there are different ways that they approach this. And look, I always say like, never waste a good crisis. You know, that line that they always say, you know, so this is an opportunity, you know, it's, it's almost like COVID-19 has shined a light on everything that is fundamentally broken. Mm -hmm. And I think it has shined a light on the fact that we treat mothers as this country's social safety net and we have real structural problems. And that if we don't invest now, right? If we don't invest in getting women's participation in the workforce back to what it was, right? It's gonna, it's gonna dramatically affect our country in the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. And something else the research found is that um, female leaders are 1.5 times more likely to either downshift their careers or step oh. out of the workforce completely compared to men. So what do you think this, this, you know, gap in an already unequal representation of leadership in the workplace will have on workplace culture and will have on businesses? Huge. I mean, three-fourths of women already believe that COVID has stunted their careers. So as women are leaving, and we say this, it's why I spent, I've spent the past decade of my life trying to get girls to code. It's not because I believe in gender parity for the sake of gender parity. But if you think of the three C's, COVID, cancer, climate, we're never going to save those problems unless we have women sitting at the table and women of color sitting at the table. So like diversity breeds innovation. So when you lose mothers from the workforce, you lose women from the workforce, we all suffer as a nation, period. So it is, it is bad for our, our country. You know, the other thing that I've been talking about is also not just looking at what the government should do, but what the private sector should do. So what is Wall Street, Main Street doing to bring back women? What are the policies that they're going to put into place? You know, there needs to be essentially an audit in every, com in every company that's saying, how many women have we lost? Why did we lose them? What policies are we being put into place for the future? What is our flexibility policy? And beyond that, you know, it's funny, many of us who've had children that worked in the private sector, we know there's a motherhood penalty. So we don't, we didn't talk about our kids. We don't bring them into the picture because we know that we're already assumed to not be as invested in our careers if we have children. But guess what? Now you've seen my Zoom screen. You've seen all of my business that's happening in my home, right? The motherhood penalty is going to be even bigger of a tax when we go back to work. And so what are we doing to root out that both conscious and unconscious bias uh, and to actually do what we do for fathers, which is treated as a pre premium and not a penalty. So that there's real work that has to be done. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to Eve Rotsky, the author of Fair Play, on the bias that we don't often talk about, which is the time bias, where we value men's time more than women's time and how that kind of plays into us picking up all these extra caregiving duties and sets us back in the workplace. So I think that there is a real shift that needs to happen there in, in how we value women's time. But I'm also wondering, you said something about companies. So we are, I did a Forbes article about how more companies are kind of stepping up during COVID to offer on-site childcare or, you know, paid time off for taking care of sick kids or um, homeschooling. So do you think that the, the business sector should step into place where there's a lack of public policy to support? Absolutely. Them? And I don't think this is something, that's why I've called it a 360 plan. I don't think 
being basic income will solve it alone or childcare will solve it alone. I think we need a 360 plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, again, our, our economy, you know, work has fundamentally changed, right? Like this was a once in a lifetime disruption. And so many of these jobs that many women were in, they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. And we need to have a plan to retrain women who have lost these opportunities for future opportunities. I think that's something that the private sector um, should be engaged in. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing is that, again, if this, if, if, if we're gonna think about, okay, what have we learned from this? What are the things that we can take away? I think we realize that like, you know, parenting is fundamental to who we are in our identity. And that, you know, we were just, you know, I, I would say for me, like I was on three flights a day. I barely saw my kids. I probably saw my children one hour a day if I was lucky. You know, when we go back to the real world, that should change. And how do companies make it possible for us to have to not choose between our children and our and our professional passion or our children and just a paycheck? So yeah. it's, an, you know, it's an opportunity for us to kind of reinvent, you know? Yeah. And I think just in general, um, for people to be able to have a life outside of, of work, to have more time for, you know, their other interests, because we, we aren't just our, our jobs. And I think COVID is kind of illuminating that. Also, something I wanted to talk about. So you mentioned that we, you know, we've lost women in industries that are in hospitality, service, education, healthcare, with Black women and women of color being the hardest hit. Absolutely. Um, How do you think that the disparities, do you think that COVID is going to, this female recession is going to deepen racial disparities? Absolutely. Women of color have had it the worst. They're leaving the workforce at twice the rate of women, of white women. Uh, 154,000 black women left the workforce entirely. Uh, this has had a huge, huge, I mean, impact on, on, on black and um, Latino women in particular. Mm-hmm. So of, of course it's gonna exacerbate inequity and racial disparity and poverty. And so it's something that we have to, again, be incredibly intentional about with, a, with you know having an equity lens, having a racial lens in terms of how we're getting women of color back into the workforce. And you mentioned policies like paid parental leave and pay equity. Any ideas on on how you see those policies um, playing out? I mean, look, I think we're making progress on paid leave, but the fact that we're still fighting for it is ridiculous. Um, And so I think that, again, there's an opportunity here to really put these policies, you know, at the front and center of who we are as Americans, you know, Joe Biden has said, the first 100 days are an opportunity for us to define our values. And, you know, if we're a country that takes care of its own, take care of its young and take care of its old, you know, we should have daycare that's affordable. We should have paid leave. You know, women should make just, you know, that women shouldn't be paid 20 cents on every dollar made by men. For Black women, it's like, you know, 72 cents on every dollar. That's not right. And, you know, we have an opportunity, again, uh, with the Democratic Congress and a, you know, and this president to change that once and for all. And what do you think is a solve for the childcare crisis? Because now so many daycare centers are shutting yeah. down. We're in childcare deserts. It still remains largely unaffordable for so many people. Well, I think the plan that he set out right now, which is to, you know, uh, bail out some of the childcare centers and provide a tax credit. Um, for some American families, I think is a start. I think it just can't extend for just this year. It's got to extend for longer than that. And I, I think childcare is not affordable in this country and it needs to be. 
You can learn more about our amazing guests and get show notes at consciouslyunbiased.com slash listen. And we want to hear from you. Please subscribe and rate Breaking the Bias on iTunes and Spotify. And drop us a note to let us know if there's a topic that you'd really want to hear about or a guest that you'd love to see on the show. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Bias.